All right, welcome everybody again. So glad that you are here. Happy Mother's Day and church. Come on, you are in for an amazing treat today. I'm so excited. I have the love of my life, the most beautiful woman in the world, the greatest mother that I know, my ride or die, the person who I love doing life with and would not want to be doing life with anybody but her. Come on, church, you're in for an amazing treat today. Wherever you are, whoever you're with, get on your feet right now, church. Come on, give a huge round of applause. Even though I can't hear you, get on your feet. Big round of applause. Let's honor my wonderful, amazing wife, Christy. Come on, church, get to your feet. We got an amazing Amazing word coming to you today. Thank you. Oh, hi guys. It's so good to be here with you guys today. You know, I have to tell you, this is a little bizarre. Preaching to just a few people in the room and a camera. Who would have thought that in 2020, this is how we'd be doing church via live stream? Um, you know, I have to tell you that the further we get along in this quarantine, I've started to feel like all my days are the same. You know, I wake up, I do the same things. I can only go really around my house and make an occasional trip to the grocery store. My days have felt a bit boring and a little bit mundane and honestly, sometimes hopeless. Um, but I recently came across a list of people who accomplished great things during periods of quarantine throughout our history. And at first I read the list and was like, wow, I gotta up my game. Like, what have I been doing here? And then I realized, you know what, no, I'm a mom, okay? I keep tiny humans, the next generation, alive and well on a daily basis, I'm pretty awesome. If you're a mom watching this right now, I just want to say that to you. You are awesome. And so I read through this list, and, and I looked at each one, and I was like, you know, I can match each one of these accomplishments with one of my own. All right, so here we go. Number one, William Shakespeare wrote King Lear in a quarantine. I wrote a list of why I'll never homeschool my children again and why all public schools need to open up as soon as possible. Uh, two, Isaac Newton came up with his theory of gravity. I came up with my own theory on why moms are actually essential employees. And when this is all done, we need a break, okay? Number three, Frida Kahlo painted her first self-portrait. And Edvard Munch, he's the guy who painted the famous screen, screen painting. Um, he also painted self-portrait with the Spanish flu. He himself had the Spanish flu and he painted what he looked like. I painted over what my daughter decided to draw on her walls. And I painted this. Okay, this is um, plastic forks dipped in finger paint. Yeah, that's right, people. In the Nicoletti house, we're resorting to trash to, to make art projects with. We're fighting the boredom hard, okay? And also, my kids say that I'm not really great at explaining crafts. They say that I'm not patient, so they want a sample. So here you go, kids. Here's your sample, all right? Number four, Victor Hugo completed Les Miserables. I completed eight loads of laundry in a day. That's right, washed, dried, folded, and put away. Okay, mic drop on that one. Uh, Mark Twain was inspired to write Innocence Abroad, which sold more copies than any of his other books in his lifetime. That's right, it outsold uh, Huck Finn, Tom Sawyer. I was inspired to get out of my mom jammies and my yoga pants for this live stream, and I put on real pants even though you can't see them really in the shot. 
And I want to say one more thing to Will and Isaac and Frida and Edward, Victor, Mark, all those people would not be here unless a mother birthed them into existence. So I wanna say thank you to all their moms. So to all of the moms that have come before us and to those that are here today, I just wanna say happy Mother's Day. Thank you guys so much for all that you do. We see how hard you're working, you crush it day in and day out. And if you're sitting in the room with a mom right now, I just wanna ask that you turn to them and just say thank you. And if there's a mom that you know that you can call or text, please be sure that you reach out today and show your appreciation because moms matter. All right, so the truth is, um, the hopelessness that I was talking about earlier is real. Okay, that we are living in a crazy time. And many of you know, because I've talked about it before, that I struggle with anxiety. And um, I was talking to a friend the other day and I was saying, my anxiety these days is so much higher. Like I wake up and I'm anxious and I don't know why. And she was like, I do. We're facing a worldwide pandemic and living in a quarantine. And I was like, oh yeah, that makes sense, right? Um, I have a lot of friends and family that struggle with depression and they're finding that they're having more and more bouts of, of depression. Um, a lot of us are facing uncertainty and, and we're struggling with fear. And I just want to say to you, that's all real. And it makes so much sense. And today, when I was thinking about what I could share with you all, I thought I would just share a few things that have helped me, that have just given me the strength and the courage to keep on going. So the first thing I want to tell you this morning is that God has a plan. God has a plan for you. And the way that I know this is that God has an always he has and always will be sovereign. He's not surprised by anything, okay? He didn't look over and he's like, oh, COVID, that's new, right? No, he, he knew he can see all of time and he never wastes a situation. He is in all things and he is above all things. And there's evidence of this in the Bible in one of my favorite books, the book of Esther. It's in the Old Testament. If you haven't read it, read it because it's, it's really enjoyable, really beautifully written. But the interesting thing about the book of Esther is that God's name is not mentioned one time in that book. But you, when you read it, you will see that his hand is all over it, that he is working everything out in this story. So I'm going to summarize the story for you, okay? So there was a king by the name of King Xerxes, and he had a queen, Queen Vashti, and Queen Vashti offends him. And so he gets rid of Queen Vashti. He's like, go away. Um, and he tells his, his men that he needs to find a new queen. And Queen Esther is, well, she wasn't the queen at the time. Esther was very beautiful, and she catches the king's eye and finds favor. And unbeknownst to the king, she is actually Jewish. Now, Esther has a relative by the name of Mordecai, and Mordecai offends Haman, the king's right-hand man. So Haman goes to the king and says, hey, look, we got to get rid of the Jews. We got to get rid of them all. We've got to kill them all. Okay, Mordecai gets word of this, and he goes to the palace gates, and he meets up with Esther. And Esther uh, meets him and says, and, you know, she's, she's asking what he needs. And he says, look, the king is going to get rid of all of our people. Esther, you have to do something. And she's like, oh, man, I wish I could help you. But you know what happened to the last queen who was disrespectful. You see, Esther knew at the time that if she went into the king's presence without being invited, that he, he would get rid of her. He would be very upset. And Mordecai says this to her. This is my favorite verse in the whole book, Esther 4.14. He says, for if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance from the Jews will arise from another place. 
but you and your father's family will surely perish. And who knows, I love this, but that you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. Mordecai reminded Esther that God is in control. He doesn't waste situations. He leverages them. And guess what? He empowered Esther. Esther goes to the king. She does find favor, and she convinces him not to kill the Jews. She advances God's kingdom and works for the good of his people. Now, I can speak from experience that that same God in the book of Esther still exists today. And I'm going to just share a little bit about our life and our family. So we have four kids. Our younger two are biological, Emery, who is almost five, and Grayson, who is three. And our older two kids were adopted into our family last year, McKenna, who's 10, and Luca, who's six. And, you know, I truly believe that in order for me to have the honor of parenting our older two children well and really helping our younger two children with the transition of our new family, God had to work through a series of circumstances in my life. And let me explain to you what I mean, okay? When I was about three years old, my parents got divorced. And they got remarried after that. Um, my dad and stepmom had three boys who were my amazing brothers. And don't get me wrong, I love my family. But the truth is that a blended family at times can have struggles. And so when it came time for Jeff and I to talk about and think about having kids, um, I said to him, look, I, I definitely want to have kids, but I only want to have biological kids. I don't know if you want to adopt, but that's not for me. I know the struggles that a blended family can have. And so let, let's, let's do the biological thing, okay? So it took us three and a half years um, of infertility and three rounds of IVF to have our daughter, Emery. And right before we found out the fate of our third IVF cycle, um, we started to realize this was the end of the road for us. We, we couldn't do another IVF after that for a number of reasons. And so we started to wrap our minds around and soften our hearts towards the idea of adoption. And, you know, we, we were psyching each other up. We're like, man, we'd be really great adoptive parents. Like, you know, any kid would be lucky to have us. You know, we'll be fun. And, and we started looking into adoption agencies. We even filled out a partial application. And then we found out that that third IVF did work, and we were pregnant with Emery. And, and, you know, I remember thinking, God, why did you bring us through that? Like, why soften our hearts to adoption only to give us a biological kid? But then, I, you know, I let that go. And... You know, shortly after that, we had Grayson, and Grayson is totally natural. He was a natural surprise. We didn't even know we could get pregnant naturally. And after that, we wanted to add a third child to our family. And back in December of 2018, Emery was actually one of two frozen embryos. So we went back to use the other frozen embryo via IVF. And the doctor said to us, you know what, this, there's no reason this shouldn't work. Like, Christy, we know your body responds to IVF. We, this is the same quality embryo as Emery was. And uh, we found out in January of 2019 that it did not. And I remember being so angry at God. I was like, really, God? Why are we going through this again? Why bring us through such heartache again? You know, I, I just didn't understand. And then a few months later, in March of, of 2019, of last year, Jeff and I went through one of the worst financial crisis, crises we could ever go through. We realized that we had more debt than we had money coming in, and we were in a real bind. There was a lot of fear, a lot of uncertainty, and we decided um, with heavy hearts that we needed to sell our home to pay off our debt. And so we sold our house, 
and we looked for something to rent so we could save up money. You guys, we could not find anything, nothing. For one reason or another, nothing was available. And I was like, what do you want from us, God? Do you just want us to be homeless? Like, I did not understand what was happening. And then April of last year happened, and we realized that McKenna and Luca were gonna come and be a part of our family. And I love McKenna and Luca, I really do. But, you know, I was talking to a friend on the phone around the time we found out they were gonna come live with us, and I was like, you know what? I just, I don't know if I'm cut out for this. I don't know if I'm gonna be good at this. Like, I'm not sure, I'm, I'm having a lot of fears, I'm really worried. And my friend said to me almost the very same thing that Mordecai said to Esther. She said, Christy, what if God has been preparing you for this very moment? Did you ever consider did you ever consider that the reason you were able to, to look at having a blended family, you were able to go through that, is so that when you bring in these two kids who don't have their biological mom and dad in the home, you will be able to see life through their eyes and have more compassion towards them. Did you consider that God was softening your heart towards adoption? Not then, but because he knew what was to come. Did you ever consider that that IVF didn't work out because your heavenly father is a good, good father who knew that for you, having a newborn and bringing two kids into your home at the same time would have been too much? Did you ever consider that the financial crisis was so that you could get your finances right so you wouldn't have so much of a burden bringing in two more kids? Did you ever consider that God didn't have a home for you to, to rent because he had an even better one for you to buy? Christy, God has been positioning you for such a time as this, and I want to tell you church God has been positioning you for such a time as the one you are living in right now he has got big things for you in this season and there are big things to come and you serve an even bigger God who is going to help you get through and get to what he has for you man I could I could stop right there but I got I got more to share with you guys okay so uh <laughs> two is that the second thing I want to share with you all is that the enemy has not won, and he will not win here. I wanna say that again, because I wanna be sure you really hear it. The enemy has not won, and he will not win here. One of my very favorite things to remember about God is that he doesn't change. He's the same, yesterday, today, and forever. His word says so, and you can bank on his word. The enemy thought he defeated him in death, but he didn't, not even in death, right? He rose again. And when people ask me, Christy, how do you believe in a good God when things around us don't seem very good? You know what I say? I say because his word says he is good and his word says he doesn't change. And the God that's been good in my past, I, I've seen it with my eyes, is still good today and will still be in the future, even though I can't see it right now. I love moments in the Bible where it looks like things are hopeless and then God shows up. Okay, he triumphs. And we see this all throughout the Bible, but a great example of this is in the story of Joseph. So I'm gonna summarize Joseph's story for you, okay? So jo the story of Joseph is found in Genesis, the first book of the Bible, and um, Joseph was very loved by his dad, and his brothers were very jealous of this. And so one day they decide to take him out on the road and they throw him in a pit and leave him for dead. Now, if this was me, I'm like, okay, all right, enemy, you've won. 
Not even my brothers like me. They've turned their back on me. I'm done, right? But no, let me show you what happens. So, so Joseph gets picked up. He's sold into slavery, and he is bought by Potiphar, one of Pharaoh's ministers. He's thrown into prison for a misunderstanding that happened with Potiphar, okay? Something he didn't even do, right? So if you thought, you know, oh, maybe he can keep going after he was left for dead, well, now, if it's me, I'm totally done, right? I'm like, I'm in jail for something I didn't even do? Are you kidding me, God, right? Um, and so while he's in prison, the Pharaoh's cupbearer, uh, cup excuse me, is also thrown into prison. And the cupbearer has a dream, and Joseph interprets the dream for him. And the cupbearer eventually, eventually gets out of prison, and he goes back to Pharaoh, and Pharaoh then has a dream that needs interpreting, and none of, none of Pharaoh's wise men can interpret it. And the cupbearer says, ah, I remember this guy in prison. Let's go get him out and have him help. So they get Joseph out of prison. He interprets Pharaoh's dream correctly, and Pharaoh is so impressed that he makes Joseph his right-hand man. And then, sometime later, a famine hits the land. And Joseph's brothers are hungry, so they have to go to Pharaoh to plead for more food. But in order to do that, who do they have to see? His right-hand guy, Joseph. And when they realize that they are standing in the presence of Joseph, their brother that they left for dead, this is what Joseph says to them in Genesis 50, 20. He says, as for you, you meant evil against me, but God, but God meant it for good to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. Joseph was kept alive time and time again. He ended up saving his brothers, saving God's people. And you know what? One of Joseph's brothers was Judah. And who do we know comes from the line of Judah? Jesus. Joseph paved the way for our Messiah. Joseph, like Esther, took his position, took his circumstances, and did not let the enemy win. He allowed God to move and work through his situation. You know, for me and my family, oh, guys, I worried about this quarantine. If I'm honest, I was like, whew, our new family of six hasn't been together for even a year. You know, I was worried, oh my gosh, people are gonna fight, they're gonna kill each other, this is gonna be awful. And can I tell you, I was wrong. There are moments, don't get me wrong, that seem awful, but the truth of it is, it's actually brought us closer together. You know, activities have been canceled, things are closed. It's almost like God silenced the noise so that we could see what really matters. We've created uh, moments together, memories. We have tickle fights, family dinners, family movie nights. And we still, we still fight, but we have the time to actually work it out and do the repair and have time to really walk through forgiving one another. And, and I want to say to all of you, you know, I believe that the enemy's greatest weapon is disunity. He was so excited about this quarantine because he's like, yeah, I'm going to get all the believers and I'm going to isolate them and put them in their own houses and they're not going to be able to further the kingdom of God. But what the enemy didn't anticipate is the very thing that he wanted to separate us has actually brought us closer together. When you think about it, we have something in common with people all around the world, people in different geographic locations, demographics, ethnic backgrounds. We all are facing a worldwide pandemic and living in a quarantine. You want to have something to say to a stranger, you just walk up and go, how's your quarantine going? You know, I mean, it's, it's unbelievable. 
And for me as a mom, I can relate to so many other moms that I couldn't relate to maybe before because I, I'm like this whole homeschool thing, right? Like we're all homeschooling. I don't know what we're doing, you know? We're kind of all in it together, doing our best. And, and I want to say something about this homeschool thing, okay? Because it's hard. It's tough. Don't get me wrong. Um, we have a, a fourth grader, a first grader, preschoolers. You know, I frequently look at Jeff and I say, uh, I did not sign up for this. I'm not sure what we're doing. What is this? Um, I, I re you guys, I really worry that I'm actually making my kids a little dumber. I, I seriously worry that. L let me just tell you, Luca, our six-year-old, had an assignment, a first-grade assignment on insects, okay? He had to take pictures of bugs and animals and, and categorize them as insect and not insect. We get to the spider, and he's like, I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure that the spider is not an insect. I'm like, Luca, listen, no, I've lived longer. The in that's definitely an insect. Put it in the insect column. He's like, no, I'm like, just do it. We gotta finish this assignment. Later that day, his teacher sends us a note and says, be careful. It turns out the spider is not an insect. Who knew? I led him astray. There's going to be a lot of things that my kids' teachers have to undo in the fall because I'm the teacher. I'm just saying. But, um, but I recently came across something on social media that a woman from Wales wrote by the name of Megan Wood. Now, I don't, I don't know her personally, but I've seen this post shared over and over again, and it really encouraged me. And so I wanna share it with you all this morning. Okay, so I'm gonna read it. So she says, if they cancel the rest of the school year, students would miss two and a half months of education. Many people are concerned about students falling behind because of this. Yes, they may fall behind when it comes to classroom education, but what if? What if, instead of falling behind, this group of kids are actually advanced because of this? Hear me out. What if they have more empathy? They enjoy family connection. They can be more creative and entertain themselves. They love to read. They love to express themselves in writing. What if they enjoy the simple things, like their own backyard and sitting near a window in the quiet? What if they notice the birds and the dates, the different flowers emerge, and the calming renewal of a gentle rain shower? What if this generation are the ones to cook, organize their space, do their laundry, and keep a well-run home? What if they learn to stretch a dollar and to live with less? What if they learn to plan shopping trips and meals at home? What if they learn the value of eating together as a family and finding the good to share in the small delights of the everyday? What if they are the ones to place great value on our teachers and educational professionals, librarians, public servants, and the previously invisible essential support workers like truck drivers, grocers, cashiers, custodians, logistics, healthcare workers, and their supporting staff, just to name a few of the millions taking care of us right now while we're sheltered in place? What if among these children, a great leader emerges who had the benefit of a slower pace and a simpler life to truly learn what really matters in this life? What if they are ahead? Did you ever consider that maybe this whole thing isn't for you? Maybe it's for the next generation. Maybe the enemy knew what they were going to do and how they were going to change the world. And he wanted to stop their education and isolate them. But guess what? 
what he meant for evil, God is going to use for good. Just like Joseph, just like Esther, our children are positioned for greatness. They are going to do great things, and this period in time will not be wasted. Which brings me to my third point. We're not set back. We're actually being set up. It may seem like a setback, but sometimes you have to step back in order to see it. So the greatest evidence of this, in my opinion, is in the Bible uh, with the story of Paul. Okay, so the book of Philippians is written while Paul was in prison. And I love this because the believers at the time, so he was in prison for sharing the gospel, sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. And the believers at this time were really worried because Paul was the traveling minister. So they're like, oh no, they've stopped the guy that we need to travel. And Paul actually realized that it, it was the very opposite. You see, in a Roman, a Roman prison back at the time of Paul would have been more like a house arrest. And Paul would have been chained to a different Roman guard every six hours. He had a captive audience. Can you imagine, right? Paul's chained to him and he's like, hey, how's it going? Do you know Jesus? Okay, we have time. We have six hours. So I'm going to tell you all about it. Um, also, oh, we're eating? Let's pray. You know who we're praying to? Okay, let's get to it. I've got some things to share, right? He had a captive audience and this is what he says in Philippians 1, 12 to 14. He says, and I want you to know, my dear brothers and sisters, he's writing to some of the other believers, that everything that has happened to me here has helped to spread the good news. For everyone here, including the whole palace guard, knows that I am in chains because of Christ. And because of my imprisonment, most of the believers here, the ones he converted, have gained confidence and boldly speak God's message without fear. Paul was not set back. Paul was set up to advance the kingdom of God. Now, for me in this quarantine, really in general, I believe that I'm raising four world changers. I do. They're gonna do great things in the future, and I believe that this quarantine, some, some good is gonna come out of it that's gonna set them up for greatness. Let me, let me tell you what I mean. So, McKenna has ADHD. She's okay with me sharing this. She was recently diagnosed, and because of this, this time that I have now, I've been able to read more books about ADHD and learn more about how her brain works. I have like lists up, like let's try this and see if this works with her today. And, and I get a front row seat to the way that she learns because we're homeschooling her. So when I have to write a list of accommodations for her when she goes back to school, I can write a really well-informed list that's going to set her up for greatness. And you know, when I talk about spiritual direction, I, I wish I could tell you that Jeff and I, as a pastor and a pastor's wife, were really good at talking to our kids about the spiritual things. But can I be honest? Uh, our kids have had a lot of activities and appointments, and we were taking them to and from school. And it wasn't until we like went to bed that I would look over at Jeff and be like, hey, uh, I really wish we talked about this today. Well, now there is no kids' church. I am kids' church, okay? I get to share with my kids about the difference God has made in my life. I get to pray with them and speak over them regularly. I get to be a part of their spiritual journey. And I have more time now to snuggle my kids, spend time with them, to give them a strong foundation of love and belonging and connection to build upon. We are creating world changers. It's not just me, it's you too. And can I tell you, for our church, we will have fed nearly 700 people. 
when all of this is said and done. 700 through our food trucks that we couldn't have fed before. We are able to, to provide for people who need it, to speak into their lives. We have the opportunity to do this where we might not have been able to before. We are able to be the hands and feet of Christ, to show people the love of God. It's amazing. This season did not bring our church down. It pushed our church forward. And I wanna ask you this morning, what is the unique opportunity you've been given in quarantine? I want to know who's that child who's now in your home that you can really see, I mean really see, that you can invest in and spend time with. What's the thing that you couldn't do before that now you have time to do? What's the relationship that you can mend or restore? Or the, What's the relationship that you can build? How are you going to do what Paul did and be able to say, Everything that has happened to me here has helped to spread the good news. Now, I could totally conclude right here. I could say, I've fired you all up. You know that God has a plan. The enemy has not and will not win. And you are not set back. You are set up. But the reality of it is there's some of you listening right now. And if I'm honest, I can include myself on some days who don't need to feel the weight of more to do, don't need to be told that they're thinking wrong. You're feeling hopeless. You're feeling anxious. You need to know that God has not forgotten you, that he's with you. Maybe, maybe you know someone who's sick. Maybe you yourself are sick. Maybe you've lost someone. You've lost your job. The future isn't what you thought. You couldn't have the wedding you wanted or the graduation party you wanted. And, and you're just bummed. You're feeling frustrated. And I wanna to say you, to you right now that the world is quiet, but God is not. God is listening. He is still speaking. He is still moving. He is here. He just might not be speaking in the way that you expect. There's evidence of this in 1 Kings 19 in the story of Elijah the prophet. Elijah was feeling hopeless and depressed. He had gone through a series of, of situations where he was just feeling like, oh man, I just can't. I don't know how many of you guys have, have felt like that. Man, I just can't today. And he sat, down, he sat down next to a tree and he asked God, he said, God, take my life. I'm done. Take my life. I can't do this anymore. Maybe you're listening today and you can relate to what Elijah said. And I want to tell you that in that moment, an angel of the Lord showed up and helped Elijah get back on his feet. And he brought Elijah to a mountain. And this is what God says to him in 1 Kings 19 verses 11 to 13, the Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake. If it's me, I'm like, surely he's in the earthquake, right? But he says, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. 
When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. And then a voice said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? The Lord saw Elijah in his despair. He showed up for Elijah, but it just wasn't in the way he expected. And you know, I think some of us want God to show up in this season that we're in and we're expecting a big, loud, booming voice or some big sign. We wanna see that vaccine flash across our screen and, and hear the stay at home order has been lifted. But can I tell you, in my life, God often doesn't speak that way. God speaks to me through people through people who reach out and let me know they care. Other moms who say to me, hey, Christy, how are you doing? Hey, I'm gonna drop by some groceries for you. Through His Word, when I, when I get into His Word and I read the Bible, through attending online church like this one, listening to sermons like this, or, or watching, or listening podcasts, listening to podcasts, I wanna, I wanna tell you that C.S. Lewis, a famous author and theologian says this, if you wanna get warm, you must stand near the fire. If you wanna get wet, you must get in the water. But if you want joy, power, peace, eternal life, you must get close to it or even into the thing that has them. Church, position yourself to hear from God. Get around people who believe in Him. Join an online small group. Reach out to people you know who are believers. Return their calls, return their texts. Read His Word. Attend church regularly, even if it's online. Jeremiah 29, 13 says, you seek me and you will find me when you seek me with all your heart. When you seek God, He will be there. His Word says so and you can bank on His Word. Psalm 34, 18 says the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He is close to you. He is not far. He is near. You can bring your real self to God. You can pray and say, God, I need you. Did you know that there is a whole book in the Bible called Lamentations where Jeremiah cries out to the Lord. You can cry out to the Lord. He is listening. He is moving. The world may seem like it's gone quiet, but God has not. When things feel like too much, bring it to the creator of the world because the creator can handle the weight of what you're going through. Wherever you are, I want to ask that you stand to your feet. Let's honor this moment. I want to give everyone listening here a chance to respond. And if you were listening to that quote and, and you were thinking, you know, I really could use some joy, some power, some peace, some eternal life. I really need that today. I want to tell you that you can take a step closer to Jesus. And with every head bowed and every eye closed, every heart open, if that's you this morning, and you want to take a step towards Jesus, towards your God who loves you and cares about you, I want to ask that you put up your hands. I want to pray for you this morning. Jesus, we thank you so much, Father. 
We thank you for the honor and the privilege it is to do church like this in 2020. That the enemy has not stopped us. Lord, that your church will keep going, that we will prevail, that your kingdom will be advanced. And I thank you for all those that are raising their hands this morning, God, that have said they want to take a step. They want to get closer to you. They want to walk in the calling that you have for them. God, and I pray right now, God, that you would give them strength, that you would fill them with faith and hope, and more importantly, your spirit, Father. May your church know that you, they matter to you. You, you see them, God. And I ask, God, that you would continue to empower your people. May we walk in faith, walk in hope, and may we be the movement that you have called us to be. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, church. Let's celebrate all those that have decided to take a step closer to Jesus this morning. Let's celebrate what the church is doing. Come on, church. Put your hands together. Lift up a shout of praise for every single person taking a step forward today in faith. A step closer to hope, to life, salvation, joy, healing, restoration. Available in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Come on, church, one more time. Can you give it up for Christy this morning for bringing an amazing word that in the middle of this season, there is hope, there is joy, there is purpose, there is calling. Amen. Amen. Listen, we say it every week. One of the worst things in the world you could do would be to be inspired to make change and then not take a step to do anything about it. So really quickly, right where you are, there's a little button that you can click right now. Our online hosts are there for you. You can just click that button and say, hey, I made a decision today. Maybe you're giving your life to Jesus for the first time. Maybe you're coming back to Jesus, rededicating your life to him today. We'd love to pray for you, partner with you, connect with you today as you step into new life in Jesus. Amen. Well, church, it's so good to be with you online today. And really quickly, we're going to close the same way we do each and every week with an opportunity to give our tithes and our offering. Now, listen, if you're new with us today, hope that you connected with us. In fact, make sure you let us know because we'd love to connect with you, send you a gift just for being here. But if you're new, listen, we don't want anything from you. In fact, we just hope that today has been our gift to you. But if you call Skyline your home, all we ever ask is that you ask Jesus what you should give and then just be obedient because we know that on the other side of obedience, there's blessing for you and for your family. There's two really simple ways that you can give. You can give online or through our app and you can actually give right from your smartphone. You can text the amount you want to give to 84321. Now church, I want to remind you in this season, as you are faithful and consistent and generous, the church 
is able to be faithful, consistent, and generous. Christy touched on it, but listen, we've already fed around 700 people in our food truck buyouts. We are continuing those in this season. So know that when you give to God's house, God's house can be generous to people. So come on, let's keep feeding people. Let's keep meeting needs. Let's keep serving. Let's keep being generous. Let's keep making a difference and an eternal impact in our city right now in this season. Let's be the church. Let's be a movement. Let's keep moving get the kingdom forward. Let's keep making a difference by being faithful in God's house. Amen. Just know the difference that you are making every single week in this season. All right, here's what we're going to do. I, I want to close and just pray for you. Just give you a blessing. So right where you are, hopefully you're still standing. Just put your hands up right now and receive this. Jesus, I pray that your very presence, Lord, would go before us. Lord, would go behind us, would, would surround us. Lord, that your very presence would fill us. That, Heavenly Father, you would cause your good face to shine upon us and give us peace and rest until we gather together again in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Make sure you stay connected with us on social media. We'll see you next Sunday at 9.15 and 11 a.m. Church, we love you. Have a great week.